0: Okay, last time uh, we studied, um, we actually finished up uh, Exodus three eighteen, you know, chapter three, and then we actually started in uh, chapter four, um, and we actually read and studied up till verse seven when you know Moses had you know put his hand into his bosom and plucked it, it plucked it back out of his bosom, you know, and it was turned as his flesh. It was when it was leprous, and then God was showing him these different signs, you know, and how he had power with him. You know, but kind of the summary of what we read already so far is that Moses, uh, you know, he's basically going through the I can'ts. And he's going through the excuses phase, I guess you could say. You know, when God's trying to prepare him to go and basically go deliver the people out of uh, Egypt is what what was going on here. You know, so what we, we began to talk about kind of last time, one thing we talked about last time that I really liked is how, you know, I mean, while he's going through these excuses, you know, he's, you know, he threw the rod on the ground and all these things and God is showing him like, look, you still have power with me, you know, and all these things. But so that's basically what these two chapters are is Moses trying to basically make excuses, you know, and him talking about, you know, basically feeling like why the going through the why me's and the I can and all those things. But verse eight, we'll go ahead and start in verse eight. And it says, you know, and this is right after he had put uh, pulled his hand back out of his bosom, you know, out of his chest, you know, not literally out of it, but for, he put his hand to his chest and, it, you know, it, and when he took it out, it was leprous. He put it back and then it was back to his original flesh. And we kind of expounded on how leprosy was actually a very contagious, you know, disease where they would actually have to separate, you know, completely from the people. It was a horrible skin disease that made him literally look like a leper. Um, so anyway, in verse 8 it says... In uh, chapter 4, verse 8, and it says, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign. You know, so talking, referring to when he threw the rod on the ground, and it became the serpent. So he said, um, I'm sorry, I just lost my place. Oh, okay, the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. You know, so... I, I I kind of found that interesting, you know, not trying to go verse by verse again, you know, but I like how he said, look, if they're not going to believe the first sign, you know, they will believe, you know, the last one is basically what he's saying, you know, so he he was getting ready to send him into Pharaoh, you know, he was preparing Moses and getting ready and showing him like, look, again, you know, just back to what I originally said, he's showing them that he had power with him, but it said, and it shall come to pass if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land And the water which shall take us out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. So one thing I kind of remember that I mentioned last time too is that he's also kind of already telling him what the outcome is going to be. What he's going to do basically with these signs. He's basically laying it all out on the table for him here. You know what I mean by that? So he's basically telling him ahead of time, look, look, these are the things that are going to happen. You know, these are the things, you know, that just be prepared that if these things do happen, which I don't think there was really much of an if here, you know, I believe that God, you know, because God hardened his heart, I think God was showing a lot of people, not just Pharaoh, but a lot of people, a bunch of different things here. You know, he had a purpose for it, right? You know, just something that James says all the time that I love that that David said, you know, do we not have a purpose? You know, everybody as Christians, we all got a purpose, you know, but so he's telling them, you know, another thing that he's getting ready to do. So Vince, why don't you go ahead and read verse 10.
1: And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but but I am slow of speech and slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, who hath made... Oh, what was my place? Verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord now, now therefore go, and I will be with thy... Mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say.
0: So, what do you think he's, uh, what do you think is going on here? Uh,
1: God will lead
0: us? Yeah, basically, yeah, he's basically saying, Look, I'm going to be the one leading you, you know. So, Moses in verse 10 is basically saying, Look, I'm not a good speaker, is basically what it means to be eloquent. It means that he. He's he's saying that he's not eloquent, so meaning that he's not really a man of many words, you know. So he he couldn't speak well, you know. He said he's of a slow tongue. So, the way I'm I'm taking that is maybe he's trying to say that he's trying to say that he uh, he kind of talks a little slow, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, we give Moses a bad rap, we really do, you know. We we look at these scriptures, you know. We look at these scriptures and we think, you know, gosh, Moses, just shut up and go do it. You know, that's kind of the, but it is, you know, I'm not trying to be bold about it, but we really do. We just kind of get that attitude, right? We think, well, why, you know, God knows best, you know, he's in, in charge, you know, so why are you even questioning? Why are you making up excuses? We do that, but let's just be honest, we're that way, right? You know, when God wants us to do something out of our norm, out of what's normal to us, you know, out of our comfort zone. You know, what do we do? We cling to every excuse we can find. So right now, the thing Moses is stuck on is, you know, he said, I'm not eloquent and I'm of a slow tongue. And then God's saying, well, in verse 11, he's basically saying, well, who made who made man's mouth? You know, so you got to think he, he you know, were his creation, right? You know, so he's also saying, or who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, you know, who made those people, you know? It, it, you know, so to God, you know the way you need to think of this is that to God, you know these things. You know, I mean, okay, you know He made you, so you know, but He made you to be you, but He also made you to serve God too. You know that is man's purpose. You know, now does everybody follow that purpose? No, they don't because not everybody gets saved, unfortunately. Um. They won't you. So you guys, you guys getting at them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy? You going? You happy? Okay. How about you, Mom, you good?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, so um uh yeah, yeah. Go ahead and um go ahead and go ahead and read. Um uh, go ahead and read verse we read verse twelve. Um so or did we read verse twelve? Yes. Okay.
2: Sorry, I'm trying to get this Go
0: ahead and read go just go ahead and start at verse twelve. Where do I stop at? You
2: know,
0: you just keep going. Just keep going, I'll tell you and stuff. Okay. Verse 12.
2: Mm-hmm. Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Mm -hmm. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, but the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth see thee, he will be glad in his heart.
0: Absolutely. So, what do you think is going on here? The old English God is all,
2: all, started to make yeah.
1: God mad mm-hmm. because instead of listening to him and doing what God wanted him to do. He's making up another excuse Mm -hmm. and another one and another one and another one. So
0: we already kind of determined, too, that Aaron was obviously his brother, um, you know, and he was also the high priest at the time. Um, So I kind of went, you know, last time, I I believe at some point I mentioned how there was an advocate for the people, which was Moses. And you also had the high priest. The high priest would take care of the service side of things, you know, according to the law. Because they had laws, like rules, you know, just like we do. You know, we have rules that we live by of the land. The rules was the law where they had a sacrifice for sins. And, I mean, there's a bunch of to that. So I'm not going to talk a off about the law. Um, but Moses' part, as an advocate, an advocate is somebody that's on your behalf. They speak on your behalf. Meaning, like, kind of like in the court of law, like when you go to court, you can hire an attorney. Um, you have an attorney that speaks on your behalf before the judge. You know, if they're an advocate for you. They're on in your corner, they're on your side. So that's kind of the way Moses was. Now, when Jesus Christ came, and I love this, I, I see you. When, when Jesus Christ came, he was both of those things. Not only was he an advocate for the people, but he was also the high priest. And that's for another study with you guys when you guys get a little more deeper. But, um, what's up? Uh,
1: another thing you could look at it as the way, um, in 14, you know... Uh, uh, At the end of the verse It says And when he seeth seeth thee He will be glad in his heart Mm -hmm. And And a little uh, Farther back than that In the verse it says And also behold He cometh forth to meet thee And then it it said And when he seeth thee He will be glad in his heart Mm -hmm. You know what I, got, what I, you know, thought of that was he will be glad in his heart if he just listens Well, of he course. doesn't make excuses.
0: Well, of course. You know, Aaron is a high priest. You know, you, we kind of had this discussion before. You know, we kind of talked about how we have expectations of people, like our pastors. We hold them to an expectation. You know, we hold our preachers to an expectation. We hold our deacons. And the world has expectations of us. I'll say that, you know, and that's part of being a light and a witness and an example. You know, but we hold those expectations, but if we're going to hold those expectations, we should also be ourselves, whether, I mean, if you're not a pastor or preacher or just a prayer warrior, we should also be living those expectations too, correct? You know, basically kind of practicing what we preach, as the saying says, you know, absolutely. You know, so, I see, you, hold on. Um, so just think about it this way too, you know, one thing I kind of got stuck on actually, you know, is, so he said he tells him look i'll teach you every teach you what you need to say and moses response in 13 is you know oh he says oh my lord send i pray thee by the hand of him whom Thou will send then the lord gets mad so i kind of was looking at that two ways and i was kind of questioning for a minute i was like well wait a minute you know is he saying okay i'm is he kind of saying okay i'm gonna go but send somebody to kind of help me speak Or is he just saying, oh, okay, well, you know, if that's the case, you know, just send somebody else to go, you know, instead of me. Um, So my Bible actually has a reference to Jonah, you know, chapter 1, verse 3. And that verse actually talks about how Jonah, you know, so we obviously, you guys know the story of Jonah. You know, the account of Jonah, how God basically was sending him to preach to Nineveh. And Jonah's first thing that he does, he's basically like, nope. And he jumps ship, you know, the ships of Tarshish. Tarshish was a very big, it was a very, um, I'm going to say boat-friendly city. Um, so, actually, at least that verse where he actually is getting on the ship and paying the fare. So, do do you guys know what it means when you, like, are, like, if you get on a ferry or get in a taxi, you know what it means to pay the fare?
2: You're paying money for them to take you somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh Mm-hmm. yeah, Kinda
0: like a ferry. Yeah, you, so a ferry is like a boat that transports you across the river to get to a, a, another point, you know, to another road. So, because obviously cars don't float in water, you know, so a ferry is a way that you can pull up on your like car in New on York there. City, they have
1: ferries. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. no, actually, believe it or not, we. Uh, it's I don't actually know if it's, coming in Ohio. Yeah, like, I think Fort Anderson Fort Ferry. I think too. I, I think I don't know if it's still in operation. Don't they but. also have water taxis?
1: Water taxis. I don't know what they're called. <laughs>
0: I love you. No, <laughs> That's I to expect don't that out of that Anna.
1: <laughs> I mean, there are. Were-
0: so, so anyway, so let's get back on topic, though. But like the fare, you know, when you're paying the fare, just like mom said, you know, you're paying, you know, you're paying for a service for them to tra- take you from one place to another. In a way, too, from a spiritual aspect, you, you, you with me? Um, from a spiritual aspect, Jonah was willing to pay the cost of him not listening to God. Right. Mm-hmm. So I believe, you know, especially being that I'm seeing references, I feel a little confident in saying that I believe that he was trying to, basically Moses was trying to get out of it is what he, I basically, what I'm trying to say is that Moses was trying to get out of going, you know, there are such things. Water you know, that's why, that's why he's saying, you know, that's basically why he's saying, Oh, okay. We'll send, I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou will send. And then that's when God got mad at him, but God got mad at him because God's going to him to do that. It was for Moses to do those things. You know, sometimes when God comes to us, he doesn't want us to give him an excuse. He doesn't want us to, I mean, I think he's patient enough where if we ask questions at times, but there are times when God has came to you, he gave you that job. He's not, he didn't give it to the person next to you. He didn't give it to somebody to come later. He gave that purpose and that job to you. You know, and it's important that if God comes to you to do that, that it's meant for you. You know, it's important to understand that. What were you going to ask absolutely so i just wanted to elaborate on that you know so i believe that and that's why i believe that's why uh god got the anger of the lord was kindled against moses in other words he was mad because he said that you know and then that's when he said you know is aaron the levite thy brother you know he can speak well so he can go with you so he was still kind of being merciful even though he was mad at him you know but uh any go ahead and read uh verse uh verse 15.
2: And though thou shalt sp- speak unto him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth mouth and when Will 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 or with Fine.
0: Will teach I lost my spot So verse 15 And thou shalt speak unto him And put words in his mouth And I will be with thy mouth And with his mouth And will teach you what ye shall do So go and do 16
2: and he shall be thy spokesman. spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, be even. even. He shall be to thee instead instead of the a mouth mm-hmm. and so thou thou shalt be to him instead. instead of God
0: so what do you think's going on what, what do you think God's telling Moses right here
2: um <laughs> um, I don't know. I know the only English is a, a
0: little difficult, right? I'm um, not really understanding. That's okay. So basically, what he's saying is, look, you know, you know, he's going to be help you speak. You know, he's going to. You're pretty much the way I'm taking it. You know, because again, it doesn't just because Aaron was there to help him speak didn't take Moses' job away from him. He was still going to be an advocate for the people, and later on. I mean, just, I don't know, this thought just kind of came to me is, you know, you look at how Moses was now, and then later on, how many times did he go to God, you know, just willingly, like, you know, God was ready to destroy the people because of their sins. And he went to God on their behalf and presented himself to God and got God, he basically calmed the wrath of God, you know, from taking out the people.
1: Well, what I see from 16 is where... Um, God's telling him, you know, Aaron will be your mouthpiece. I'm going to tell you what you tell Aaron, what you need to tell Aaron. Yep. And so instead of Moses being that mouth, it's going to be Aaron being that mouth. Physically. Physically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to keep going. Yeah, no, that I was good. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and and I love this because you know he, you know, <laughs> throughout all of this, you know, as he's talking with Moses, you know, he's eliminating all of his excuses, right? Every bit of it, you know. And uh, so, Mom, you
1: want to read verse seventeen? And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took... So
0: go ahead and stop there. Um, So, out of, you know, so I I think it was kind of a respectful thing, you know, especially to his father-in-law, in in my opinion, you know, is that he went, you know, to his father-in-law, which, you know, we know Jethro was the high priest of Midian. He, uh, remember how he gave him Zipporah, you know, to be his wife? He took care of the cattle, you know, willingly. Yeah, we talked about those and
1: stuff. And uh... He was still outside um, in Midian, mm-hmm. and the two daughters, the two
0: daughters, is that right? Um, I can't remember exactly what it says, but pretty much, what? yeah, well, yeah, he did have two daughters, okay. I believe, yeah, yeah, but he, before that, I'm my, I'm stuck in when, you know, he was running for his life, because this is what it's referring he to. He killed the Egyptian. Killed the Egyptian, yeah, so he ran for his life and ended up in Midian, and we kind of talked about how it's possible that he ran for quite some time. <laughs> You know, to get away from Three Egypt.
2: Days.
0: Possibly, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, but so it would probably take
2: longer.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, because they didn't have cars like we do, where we could take a, you know, we a long uh, drive several miles and do it for two hours versus them, it would be a day and a half journey. You know, so yeah, so you know, but I, I just love this because the big thing, the big out, the big picture, like or the summary. You guys remember what a summary is? I've explained to you before. No. Basically, like if you turn a book over on the back, you, you read a summary of what that book is about. It's like a brief description, like a very short, about, dis- what, the book about what the book is about. Yeah.
2: So this
0: is a big summary Every of God. One you know,
2: has that on the back. To mm-hmm. show what the book is about. Yep. It, it's usually at the library before you get the book. You look at the summary. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, and yeah, and that's that's basically what's going on here. You know, is that God is summarizing all the things that he's going to do for you know do for him but he's also just removing all the stumbling blocks you know you know i mean by that is eliminating his excuses but also getting out of the way all the things that need to be out of the way so moses can do this job so moses first off only ended up in this spot in the first place because just like we were talking about is he was running from the egyptian that he just killed you know literally running from egypt because he feared for his life so even before all that god already remembered all those things And it says right here in in verse 19 that, you know, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. I mean, they were already dead before he even got back over there. You know, I don't know. I never really caught that detail. Can I read 19, 20, and 21? Um, Go ahead and read uh, 20. Uh, Go ahead and start at 20. We
1: already read 19. I did read 19. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod took the rod of God in his hands and the Lord said unto Moses when thou goest to return into Egypt see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in thine hand but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Israel the Lord. You got that backwards. Yeah. Too. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, Thus saith the Lord Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let mine, my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let go, behold! I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn.
0: So I found it interesting that you know I, I never another thing I never really paid attention to right here. You know, is verse twenty-two he referred to Israel as his son? I mean, they were his firstborn. I mean, his children, obviously, is basically what he means. But he just lumped it up into one word, son, not sons, son, and then he goes up and then also gives warnings you know he says you know and I say unto thee let my son go that he let my son go referring to Israel that he may serve me and if thou shall refuse to let him go behold I will slay thy son even thy firstborn you know he's uh, this seems a little personal to God don't you think Mm -hmm. that's how personal our relationship is with God you know as his children you know he just lumped them all as look they're my son you know, as a parent, you know, think about it. You know, as a parent, aren't you going to be a little protective over your kids, too? I feel wholeheartedly that he, you know, obviously he had a plan. He had a plan that was going to happen. He was there, he was going to show them his power. But also, too, he, you know, was that that's how personal it was to God, you know, to get his people out of there. You know, I'm thankful for that, you know, because I'm going to tie it to salvation. You know, that's how personal my God is. He looked at us that way, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When he sent Jesus to die for us. Like, that's deep. I don't know about anybody else, but that's deep, ain't it? You know, we sing that song, or, or actually, no, not we, a uh, Rachel and uh, James song. And it, it just, I'll tell you, it just ate my, ate my, huh?
2: Rachel.
0: Did I say Rachel?
2: Yes. Did I really? Oh, I meant
0: Hannah. And Hannah and James. Wow. Okay. Hannah and James sung that song. And, uh... You know, but they were talking about how deep is deep the Father's love is. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome, ain't it? You know, I'm just thankful that God's love is that deep. I cannot believe I said Rachel. I mean, my, <laughs> I've got like a billion thoughts in my head, you know, with scripture. So, but anyway, so he said, but so he's basically threatening Egypt. Is the way I'm reading that, you know, because he said, I'm going to slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So not only Egypt, but their children too, you know, so he's, that's how very personal this is. So verse 24, you know, says this. So obviously Moses is now at a point now where he's now going to do the job. Like he went, he made, got his affairs in order, I guess you could say, by going to, you know, Midian, uh, uh, the high priest of Midian telling them, hey, you know, I'm going to Egypt, you know, basically saying, you know, probably the love yous, goodbyes, hugs, I'm going, I'm going to be gone for a while, you know, kind of one of those things. Um. So verse 24 says this, and it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. So now we're like, now, this, these verses always stand out to me and actually we'll, we'll, we'll elaborate. So. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go. Then said, uh, then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. So, okay, so, I'm going to explain. So, he's, so before this, let's just take some steps back, okay? Before this, he's sending, he's trying to get him to go and quit making excuses and go. He leaves. Goes to Midian, the high priest, to get his affairs in order, basically. You know, to let him know, like, hey, you know, I'm going back to Egypt to get my get my people. But then now, all of a sudden, in verse 24, the Lord met him on the way to Egypt, ready to kill him. Why on earth would he want to do that? I know. Brain. <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs>
2: there's a reason
0: for it.
1: And hold up I have a question. We'll get to that part. We will get
0: to that. Quit, you know, quit zooming in on certain details. Hold on. Well, d- yes. no, no, don't not. Okay, let me take that back. Don't not. Just let me elaborate. That's all. I'm trying to say. So Let's there's a reason it a for it. So remember how I had already originally said that God was eliminating all the stumbling blocks. I believe that that's also what God was doing here, but. There's a lot more to it. Actually, me and Heather actually studied this out because Heather had came to me and she would asked me, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, why would God, you know, they were studying this in their women's Bible study and she came to me and she was like, well, why on earth would God send him to go to Egypt and then also want to kill him? And what on earth does all this mean? It doesn't make sense. So let's take it all the way back to Abraham's time. Abraham, there were some covenants made. You guys don't remember what a covenant is? No. Promises. Basically promises, agreements. Um it could be a contract uh, that you sign. They also refer to those as covenants, but it's basically an agreement. Contract, agreement and a promise.
2: A, contract that you sign
0: a solemn promise, basically, is what it is. Yeah. So it's basically a solemn promise, like a very, you know, heartfelt promise. You know, it was a promise and agreement. You know, God made an agreement with Abraham that every child at the age of eight was to be circumcised.
1: What, what is circumcised? Okay. Let
0: me elaborate. Sorry. No. So, meaning that you know, when they're a baby, you know, so just like in hospitals today, you know, m- most men get circumcised, right? You know, and uh, well, anyway, the purpose of that was for, you know, because God wanted his people to be different. But there was also a spiritual meaning. There was a spiritual meaning of it. Uh, and the spiritual meaning of it basically means, you know, means... Um, so it, and actually the New Testament refers to this it means the a circumcision it talks about a circumcision of the heart it's when you're cutting away the old heart and God gives you the new heart so when you get saved you're given a new heart you're not given. A, you're not the old heart because you're flesh right so that kind of ties into what's going on here is this was one thing that he didn't do yet. Is the way you know from what I have studied out on this? It is he was supposed to circumcise his son, but he didn't do it yet, and that was why God was ready to kill him. It was because of his sin. He was he had sin that he had to get out of the way. So how does that apply to us? It applies to us. um, You know the way it applies to us is that sometimes you know God, you know we have to move up, you know get the sin in our life or or the sin that stands between us and God out of the way. So we can go and do what God wants us to do, right? So that's basically what's going on here. And that's why, you know, Zipporah, you know, she went, she ended up doing it when Moses should have already done did it. She took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet. She threw it at, which is kind of gross, but she did. She threw it at his feet and said, you know, a bloody husband, you know, but she said, surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he, so it says, so he let him go talking about God, let Moses go because that was the one thing standing between them. And then, he, and then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. So what he's talking about, Zipporah was upset about this because he, she, they I mean, I just can't help but believe that they knew better because of the covenants and the, the agreements between Abraham and the promises. <laughs> so that was the sin that was standing between them. So all the sin that Moses had, this particular sin had to get out of the way. So he removed, just in summary, removed the people that are after him in Egypt wanted to kill him because he killed the Egyptian. He removed all of his excuses. And then now here, you know, he should have already circumcised his son and she calls him a bloody husband because let's just be honest, you know, we're all flesh and blood. We all make mistakes. We all have shortcomings. We're flesh and blood. You know, that is one thing that is reality. And this is also a very bloody way. It really is because they had a sacrifice. They, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ, Became that sacrificed. This is a very bloody way. There were a lot of people put to death for God's name. Mom, I'm, in. I'm dead. What's up?
2: <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> what is a bloody husband?
0: She's basically telling him that, you know, your flesh and blood is basically what she's telling him. You know, your flesh. You know, he had shortcomings just like we did. You know, Moses, although Moses, I mean, if, if, if you can see it throughout this whole, these past two chapters. You can see that Moses is obviously no different than really what we are. You know, so again, it goes back to what I originally said. I think that Moses gets a bad rap and we get a little judgy towards him. But the truth is, though, is that these are steps and things that we do all the time. And these are things that we have to pray for God to help us remove. And that's why God didn't decide not to kill him, you know, and stuff. Like, that's why the Lord, you know, decided not to because he moved up and they solved the problem, you know. That's the best, you know, that's always the best way to go. Is like if you have something standing between you and God, the, that, the best way is to always get that taken care of right there. You know, as much as you possibly can. You know, so... um Vincent, you want to go ahead and finish out the chapter? Uh, we're into verse 27.
1: 27. Mm-hmm. And and the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the Mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who hath sent him and all the signs which... He had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the other elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord hath spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed him, believed, and when they... Heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that He had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. My goodness,
0: that's awesome, ain't it? So you have to think, if you, you know. Just
1: listened. At the first start, they 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 would have bowed their heads and worshipped.
0: Well, but you got to remember too, though, is that you know, like, kind of. Um, the, the thing is, though, is that thing you got to remember, though, is... I mean, if I remember correctly, too, I think we read, too, that the children of Israel were kind of a little bitter towards Moses himself because there was some jealousy there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was actually a little bit of jealousy there because you have to keep in mind, too, Moses, although he was a Hebrew, he was raised up in Pharaoh's house. So he wasn't going through what they were going through. So they basically... I mean, just think about it. If you're being... Miss, you know, in prison and beat and treated horribly, you know, and you're seeing somebody of your own kind, you kind of look at them like a traitor, don't you? Or a backstabber. In other words, you're like, you're one of us, and why do you get treated that way? And then I'm sitting here, you know, getting beat by my taskmasters and doing all this hard labor and, you know, serving with rigor, is what the scripture says. And you just basically are, you know, having these bountiful feasts and living it up with Pharaoh. You see what I'm saying? You know, I, so I can totally see that but again it just goes back to say it just goes back to show you that look right here god removed that too that tension there because okay a few things right here Aaron he went and told you know so he it's just like god said Aaron was happy because he kissed him you know that was a way to greet each other in in their culture Ew. Um. It, it, no, but it was it was a way to it was it, so he wasn't trying to kiss them to like you know like me and mom do or anything you know but it was more in a way of well I'm not being gross but I'm just saying in general like a husband and wife do you know uh, they it's more so like it was a way to greet each other that's why you know sometimes Paul will say greet each other with a holy kiss. You know, Paul actually has wrote that in his writings. So it was, in their culture, that was a way of greeting people with love, but it was more of a, it is really good to see you. Kind of thing. You know, like hugging. And, no, hear me out on this. All right, I'm losing you guys. A little bit longer, we're
2: done.
0: Reel it back in. All right. But in some cultures, if you were to hug somebody, they would be like, what on earth are you doing? That is actually a very... So uh, believe it or not, it, I guess what I'm trying to say though is that it was just a way. Of, it was just a, a, a very loving greeting, is what I was saying. You know, it was a very friendly, loving greeting, is the way to look at that. But like I said, in some cultures, if you hug, they think maybe you're going to fight them or something. You know, so that's that's kind of abnormal because that's part of their culture. Just like to us, we're not going to go up and kiss somebody, you know, because <laughs> and say hi. There. You, that's a good way to get punched, right? You know, it, because it's so out of our norm. But that's part of our culture. So enough of that. But. Last thing last thing before we finish this up.
1: So basically, if you would have tried to hug them in their culture, they would have been like,
0: well, I'm not saying that's how they were here in particular because I don't really know, but what I am saying is that in some cultures though, you know people don't know what a hug is. you know you know, you know I, I believe the French probably do. Maybe in modern times they probably have an idea what it is that we do that in our culture. But what I'm saying though is that there's some things to us that are normal. There are some things to us that are normal that are out of the norm for other cultures, other people, you know, and stuff. Just like the greeting with a kiss, that's a little out of our norm. Kind Don't of.
1: French people
2: do that? No, he's saying French people give each other a kiss on the yeah, French and greet pe-
0: each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so basically, but, so again, you know, just, it goes back to what I originally said though. You know, God was removing all these stumbling blocks, all these things out of the way, and you know, the people, as soon as he told Moses, they went straight to the children of Israel in Egypt. So, the way I'm reading this is that they were already in Egypt because the next chapter starts with Moses and going into Pharaoh. Um, all of them believed everything. You know, so it doesn't say that there was some jealousy. It doesn't say right here that Aaron doubted what he was saying like Moses was doing earlier on. Aaron just, you know, I don't read that right there. What I do read, though, is that everybody believed. It says, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Tell you what, you know, when you see when you know God is working and when you know God is in the midst, it's kind of hard not to get you just, you know, something that I love that, you know, hear about James and Nikki, you know, spiritual backflips, you know, get super excited, you know, in the Lord. Because you know who it is that's in your corner, and you know who it is that has your back. You know, but thank God for that. Any other thoughts, comments, questions before we? And I think this is a good stopping point. I'm losing you guys, so.
2: <laughs> Sorry, you said some kind
0: funny of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of funny though, because some things to us, and it just get back to what I just said. Some things to us are very out of the norm. But yeah, I would not recommend going up to anybody and trying to. <laughs> Lay your lips right on their face, you know, without them knowing you. I would not recommend that.
2: (laughs) Especially in the workplace. Like the lady at the
1: grocery store. Yeah, yeah. All right. right. We're done.
0: Till next time.